You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. This is Father Craig Vosick, your host, coming to you live from the University of Mary. We are in the second half of our first hour. And we are going to be visiting with Carolyn Edelman. Uh, on, on a very personal topic. Carolyn, are you with us? I am. Great. Thanks for being with us today. Yes, thanks for having me. Wonderful. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, um, as you said, my name is Carolyn Adelman. Um I'm a registered nurse. I grew up on a farm in Bellingham, Minnesota, and currently I'm living in its neighbor, which is Madison, Minnesota. And I'm really excited to be speaking with you today about this passionate topic of mine. And so thank you very much for this opportunity. I'm sorry that I pronounced your last name wrong, Ottoman. Thank you for correcting me. Oh, no, that's okay. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> I don't have a phonetic pronunciation chart in front of me. So, uh, what, kind of, what kind of nurse are you? Um, I'm just a registered nurse. Okay. So you work in what, uh, in what realm? Oh. Um, I'm actually not currently working right now. I actually hmm. have a different health issue that we're trying to figure out. Sure, so sure, that sure. unfortunately has left me out of the job for a little bit. But yeah, I was a sure. public health nurse before. Okay, public health. Okay, great. I, my family is filled with nurses. My mother is a nurse. My sister is a nurse. My other sister is a nurse. My two aunties are nurses. So oh. I, uh, I, I understand the nursing world a, l- a little bit at least. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> oh, that's great. Actually... Not that this uh, this uh, episode is about me, but uh, typically our joke at home is uh, when we get together for Thanksgiving or Christmas, we're sitting having a nice formal dinner. All of the adults are eating and having a good time, and one of the nurses will bring up something from their job, and it'll start. They'll start to talk about a person's body or an issue <laughs> or a fluid or something, and we all get grossed out. And we're like, "Why does it always happen? You are so gross!" And they're like, "Oh, it's not a big deal. We talk about this stuff all the time." And we're like, "Well, right. we don't." <laughs> uh, so, yeah, yeah, that's. That's, that's my family in a nutshell. So, <laughs> All right. So we want to talk uh, about your personal uh, life. <laughs> so thank you for coming yeah. on the radio to talk about your personal life. Um, yeah. But in particular about uh, an eating disorder. So uh, I don't, yeah. don't want to be insensitive um, and, and use words that you wouldn't use. So would you, would you say that you've been working through a, a, an eating disorder? Is that how you would phrase it? Or how would you phrase it? Just so I don't speak wrongly. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, yeah, I did say eating disorder. That's just fine. Okay. Anorexia is personally what I've had, but mm-hmm. an eating disorder is the broad term. Yep. Right. Okay. So okay. Uh, so so uh, anorexia. Um, maybe mm-hmm. before we talk about uh, how this is taking place in your life, um, yeah. can you just tell us what it what anorexia is? Um, well, it's kind of difficult because. Typically, you read in health class and all that stuff that it's always that thin, blonde, almost looks like a model, you know, type thing. But honestly, eating disorders can happen to guys, girls, doesn't matter your shape or size. Mm -hmm. Um, But with anorexia specifically, um, they usually are the ones that don't eat enough calories um, to maintain a healthy weight. And um, some can over-exercise, and um, a lot of people just think, you know, it's a fear of food and stuff. But really, 
kind of the underlying root with all eating disorders is it's kind of about control. Um, these are people that are usually perfectionists, and um, yeah, so that's kind of in a nutshell how I would say it mm-hmm. in my own words. But. Yeah, yeah. No, I just thank you for that because uh, I mean there there are lots of things that people hear and if they haven't studied it formally they may not really be grasping what we're talking about a person sure. c- could think that this is a person who eats too much and then goes and self vomits or you know different things and and yeah. anorexia is really the 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 under caloric intake um side of this eating disorder where it's not putting enough nutrition into the body for whatever reason it might be control it might be body image it might be there's so many different things that it might be but so thank you for introducing us to that that's that's incredibly helpful um so so what uh yeah how how did this um, i mean i'm sure you've processed and gone back in your own mind your own personal history and story and maybe found deeper roots or beginnings to various things i have no idea i don't want to insert that on you but how did it take shape or or when did you begin to experience uh something of of an eating disorder in your own life yeah um well first off i just want to apologize in advance because i can get quite into detail with this topic. Um, well, you're, to yeah, you're a nurse, so you, yeah, you're going to gross us out with your nurse stuff, probably. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, well, anyways, if you if you go too far into the weeds, Carolyn, I'll pull you out and say, Carolyn, let's come back. Let's come back. Go ahead. Then. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Well, um, let's see. I always played basketball growing up and in school, and that was always my favorite sport. Um, but going into my junior year of high school, which was that was the summer of 2011, I wanted to go out for cross country. And I always kind of considered going out for it as my older brother was in it for a while. And I, of course, thought it would make me a better basketball player. Mm-hmm. So I ended up going out, and I really fell in love with running. However, um, I always remember after running, I never really was hungry or had an appetite. So my food portions, um, I just kind of started decreasing them, and they were getting smaller and smaller. And um, kind of growing up, I was more of that T-shirt girl. I didn't know much about makeup or spend a lot of time looking in the mirror. However, through running and eating less, I was noticing I always used the word toned, and I was feeling more fit, and I thought it was skinny and looking more pretty, and those were things I never really felt growing up. So then I began to think about myself before I became a runner, and that's when my mind started convincing myself that I was an unhealthy eater and I didn't exercise enough. And I'm very much a perfectionist, so I decided right there that I was going to become an expert on running and nutrition. Mm -hmm. And so what's interesting was in the beginning, I really wasn't trying to lose weight. I mean, I never dieted. I just wanted to be that fastest runner and get the perfect grade so I could get the perfect job one day. So eventually, along with decreasing my food portion, I stopped eating meat, which, like I said before, I live on a farm, so that's odd. (laughs) And I stopped drinking dairy milk. I drank whatever almond milk had the least amount of calories. I forced myself to eat things like tofu, and I only bought organic or fat-free foods. And I stopped eating completely my mom's home-cooked meals. I stopped eating. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, keep going. Oh, sorry. And I stopped eating um, school lunches or really anything out in public. 
However, I was studying PRs and running, and I was feeling physically good. So I thought, I'm doing something right. Um, and, of course, my parents were the first ones to comment on these new eating habits and weight loss. And my quote to them was always, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm just fine. But, however, I was in complete denial of the whole thing. Um, and I'm kind of, kind of joke, I'm kind of the girl, if you want me to move, you kind of have to kill me first to do that. <laughs> so, of course, I didn't really listen to them. So I kept running. Um, I would run up to 12 miles a day every day. And after running, I would always have to do an hour workout DVD and exactly 100 ab crunches, not anything less than that. And so I was turning into a professional liar, to be honest, about food and exercise. Um, I was pushing people out of my life. I didn't trust anybody. I always wanted to isolate my time could only be used being productive. I had a short temper, and I just felt emotionless, alone, dumb, and kind of a little out of control. And to be honest, I really didn't care about anything or anyone but myself. And I took pride in being the skinniest person in the room. And I loved it when people would compliment how disciplined I was around food. However, at this point in the journey, my weight was in the 70s. Um, I was constantly pulling up my pants. They had nothing to hang on to. My face was sunken in, and I could see my ribs and my vertebrae and my back. So that fall, my mom and I went to Fargo, North Dakota, to an eating disorder therapist was there, and we went weekly. And it was there that I was diagnosed with anorexia, depression, and anxiety. And throughout my journey, we kind of played with different medications to try to help with that, but none of them really worked. So then on December 4th, 2011, I was admitted to an eating disorder hospital in Fargo, North Dakota. And my stubbornness and denial was now stronger than ever. And I kind of just went through the motions there so I could go home and just keep doing what I did before. And again, I kept saying, I'm fine, I'm fine. So I thought the only problem was that I didn't know enough about nutrition to run and be at a healthy weight. So it didn't take long after I discharged from the hospital to go right down the rabbit hole again and losing all that weight. Now I'll kind of fast forward to my senior year of high school. It was cross-country season, and I thought things were getting better because I was either doing well or I was doing really bad. And so it's just that vicious cycle. And I wasn't as thin as I was my junior year, but my mindset and my behaviors were not better. And I remember it came to a point where before I would run for practice or cross-country meets, I'd have to get weighed in by my mom or my coach to see if I was healthy at healthy weight. And um, honestly, I remember hiding dumbbells and put them in my sweatshirt pocket trying to make my weight heavier than I really was. So eventually, I began seeing a dietitian routinely, um, especially when I went off to college. And then 2013, I had to go to another treatment center located in Utah. And then again in 2014, I went to another, my third treatment center in Colorado. And with each treatment and with time, I was becoming more and more accepting of, you know what, I do have an eating disorder and I do want to recover. So treatment definitely didn't fix me, and I've walked down this dark road many times since. 
However, I'm still just fighting for that little girl from Bellingham that's inside of me. And I just have to say no to that eating disorder and yes, recovery every day. Kind of in a nutshell, that was my story. I don't know, wow. too long. <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's remarkable, Carolyn. Thank you so much for sharing, um, y- yeah, the journey and uh, your own your own perception along the way and what other people were were uh, help, trying to help. But you, you know, you're fine. You're fine. You're yeah. fine. Right. So, thank you so much for sharing all of that. We would like to come back and kind of visit into some of those uh, areas. But we're going to actually take a quick break. Uh, so sure. stay with us, uh, Carolyn. We'll come back and, and talk a little bit more more about this. Everybody, we've been visiting with Carolyn Ottelman, uh, talking about her own um, experience with anorexia. And we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk more and get into uh, a conversation about her faith and, uh, and various other realities that she's experiencing now in her life. So stay with us. This is Real Presence Live. We'll be right back. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. God's blessings to all of you. My name is Father Chad Wilhelm, and I'm a priest of the Diocese of Fargo. And this year I celebrate 25 years of being a priest. And the joy, the great things that I love about the priesthood is the deep relationship that Jesus and I have as speaking heart to heart. He knows the depths of my heart, and He speaks to all of us in the depths of our heart. That's what I enjoy about being a priest, that I get to speak about Jesus, not just on Sundays, but every day of my life, and that I've given my life to Jesus and the Church. What a wonderful grace and a gift that has been for me for 25 years, and to serve the good people of the Diocese of Fargo, but just to serve the Church as a whole. May God continue to bless all of you as you listen to Real Presence Radio. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, the Director of Advancements for Real Presence Radio with today's Plan Giving Minute. Philanthropy is an expression of your generosity with the understanding that your gift to the church will make a difference. There are many ways in which you can make a gift to further God's work. Most of us are familiar with cash gifts we give regularly to Real Presence Radio. However, another way of contributing is through plan giving, which may allow you to give more than you've ever dreamed possible. The goal of plan giving is to help you plan your estate and charitable giving in a way that benefits you, your family, and our mission. There are several ways you can make these plan gifts and enjoy tax and income benefits. For more information, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, thanks for being with us. This is Real Presence Live, your host, Father Craig Vosick from the University of Mary. We're visiting with Carolyn Ottelman. She shared with us in the first uh, part of the segment her uh, her background and then the onset and her um, her life or her, her situation regarding anorexia uh, with athletics and her own her own life uh, and eating and, and various things. Uh, so thank you again, Carolyn, for sharing that with us. Um, 
mm-hmm. want to come back now and look at there were people in your life, there were family in your life, there were um, specialists in your life, there were various people that were that were uh, with you during during these years, uh, and there mm-hmm. was a uh, there was a sense within yourself that you're going to be okay. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and whether that was a, whether that was a smart to lean on your own understanding or not, I mean, uh, well, you're, you, you went through all this anyway. And, uh, so we want to look a little bit about, um, how, how did faith play into this or how does it play into things now? So, uh, where do you, where do you see faith, uh, in the, in the situation of anorexia or with an eating disorder or your journey? Yeah. Well, I personally was raised go to weekend mass every Sunday, no matter what. And um, to be honest, it kind of surprised me that when I was really in the depths of my eating disorder, I still went because to admit I was really, really frustrated with God and the situation. And um, I kind of like to share this eye-opening kind of moment I had. Um, I was going to adoration at my home church in St. Joseph in Rosen, Minnesota, and I can't remember how far along I was in my eating disorder, but I was kneeling next to my dad, and I was praying probably harder than I ever have. And then I just randomly started crying uncontrollably. And I'm not a crier really in public much, but I remember my dad asking, are you okay? And I had this just surge of emotions, which is odd because my eating disorder just made me feel nothing. But at this so at this time, I was feeling like fear, acknowledgement, love, motivation, sadness, but hopelessness, all at the same time. And it's almost impossible to describe. But it was kind of at that moment that I realized that I don't want to be a servant to this eating disorder anymore. And I like to think of that was kind of God's way of telling me that, you know what, Carolyn, do you need help? And you can't do it on your own like I thought I could. And I just truly had to let go and and let God. And um, I've had some pretty scary times in my eating disorder, like, you know, being on feeding tubes, and my heart rate was even in the 20s at one point, which, I mean, typically an adult female should be 60 to 100, so that's critically low. And medical professionals told me, you know, anytime I put those running shoes on, I am at risk of dying. I was just walking that fine line. But it was true, even though I was scared, I just had this small seed of hope that God was watching out for me and that he wasn't quite done with me yet. And um, even, like I said, even in college, I feel so bad those tears probably have so many tears soaked into them. I just spent so much of those masses just crying. And I was learning to stop asking God why me, to instead I kind of switched it to you. How can I use this hurdle that I've tripped over so many times yet kept running to be for something greater than the gold medal? So I do believe that God has a plan for me and everyone else. And even though I don't have the answers or ever will right now of why he let me go through this and my loved ones too, I still just have to believe in what I was always taught was that everything happened for a reason. And the power of prayer is beyond what we can imagine. And I'm so, so fortunate to know that I have a lot of people who have and still do pray for me, and that has meant the world. And so this experience, it tested my faith, but it definitely deepened it. Yeah. 
Yeah, because you've had you've had family, you've had uh, others, you've had specialists, you've had various mm-hmm. people that have been walking with you. And just imagine if, without the Lord's grace and without others, you you were on a you were on a pretty dark path uh, with right. a, with a pretty dark ending, probably. So, uh, right. yeah, that you that you've had this care along the way, even though it's been very difficult. Uh, what a grace, what a gift, and um, thankful to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, visiting with yeah. Carolyn Ottoman, we're speaking about her eating disorder that she's uh, been journeying with for how many years? Would you say has it been? Go- has this? Uh, have you been journeying with it? Well, like I said in the beginning, it was 2011 when okay. it became evident, and it's kind of you know as I'm getting older, things are getting better. Um, I don't know if it's going to be you know something that's always kind of in the back of my mind, but. Um, yeah, so it's been it's been a little bit now. Yeah, yeah. So, what's uh, you would say that you're still journeying? Uh, yeah, or you? Yeah, I, I would imagine you're saying you're still you're still on the journey, huh? Yep. Yep. Okay. So uh, as we kind of, kind of come to the end here, um, it, was there anything that you you wanted to talk about for sure today that I that we've skipped over? Was there anything that's come to your mind that you wanted to make sure you you talked about? Yeah, I was just kind of going to see where you wanted to steer the ship or whatever. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Great. Well, so, here, so here's some questions I have. Uh, um, yeah. Let's say there's someone out there who recognizes in themselves uh, that there's something off with regard to their uh, diet or their nutrition or their self-image or uh, just the way that they're... They recognize it's like, I've been trying and I'm... I, you know, it's just it's not working the way I was hoping, or something. And maybe they're sensing something's off. Uh, what would you, what would you recommend to someone who finds himself in maybe not the exact situation as you, but uh, is something similar? Right. Like what, what ought they, what ought they do? Um, well, the advice I give um, is, you know, you can fight as hard as you can by yourself, but at the end, you have to have a support team, and that who's on that is up to you. But it, it, this battle is something that can't be beaten alone. No. And, like, for me personally, I can tell you with 100% certainty that I wouldn't be talking to you today if it wasn't for my parents, my mom and dad. They are the true heroes in this story. And additionally, I have the rest of my immediate family and extended family and friends and a great boyfriend who all have my back, and they really keep me in line. So you have to really be, you have to communicate with them, and you have to be honest with them, even when it's hard. But further than that, you may have to get professional treatment. And I've gone to all three different treatment centers, and I've found value in all of them. And I know a lot of people are hesitant to go. They may not want to or think they really need it, but I'm proof that it's worth it. Um, But you have to be prepared that, a lot of the work actually happens outside of those walls. Yeah. And um, you have to know, you know, you're going to strike out at least once, but you need to celebrate the little victories. Um, I can kind of share an example. Um, I've been writing down, you know, every calorie that enters my mouth for a long time now. And what's interesting is I started doing this after I went to all those treatment centers. Well, just this year, so 2020, I stopped writing down what I ate for supper. And then I stopped writing down what I had for snacks. Until now, I don't track anything anymore. Mm-hmm. 
So each day I'm getting better at recognizing and eating the thoughts. But you need to know you got to challenge those thoughts. And I think my belief is with age, time, and some tough love, those eating disorders, they're going to get quieter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I definitely, I would also add to that is to not let your eating disorder or others tell you that you aren't enough. Because that's a big one that my eating disorder always kind of had playing in my head. You're not pretty enough. You're not smart enough. You're not athletic enough. But you are enough. And like I said before, God made you for a reason. And even if you don't believe it, I hope whoever is struggling, they have at least an ounce of faith left in you and to just hang on to that faith and don't lose that. Because, you know, one day your fear is going to turn into fearless. So I would say eat the ice cream. The best food ever. <laughs> 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 food is the fuel that you need to yeah. live the best life. Yep. So yep, yep, yep. I'm a stronger woman because of all of this that has happened to me. And while I was kind of thinking about what I wanted to say today, I was looking for different analogies and stuff. And I am a huge love of weightlifting. And I thought this kind of quote is really good and can really apply to, um, you know, recovery and eating disorders. And it goes, for real growth to occur, you have to lift heavy weights, keep pushing, even when you feel like you can't push anymore, this is when the real growth occurs. Mm. So that kind of struck a chord with me, and I really wanted to make sure I could share that with you guys today. Great, 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 great. Well, Carol, yeah. we're, we're coming to the end of our time, but I just want to thank you so much for coming on the air to share uh, your story to share su- su- such a personal uh, struggle and um, uh, an experience and, uh, and and time that that you've had. Thank you so much for sharing about your faith and the support of others that has that has uh, gotten you to where you are now. And we're just so glad that you're uh, heading in a good direction and and developing in such a great way. So thanks so much for being with us today. Yes, thank you again for inviting me to share a little part of my story. Yeah, no, thanks so much, Carolyn. All right, everybody, this is the end of our first hour of Real Presence Live. We were just visiting with Carol Ottoman, sharing with us uh, her faith journey and uh, the battle that she has been uh, winning uh, against anorexia in her life. So I just want to say something at the end of our time before we take our break. Um, what Carolyn mentioned towards the end of our time, which is that we need a support system. Uh, it's so important, I think, on so many levels. Uh, but just having other people around so I'm not isolated, that's huge. But then also, uh, when I have a support system, when there's other people, that means there's other brains, there's other minds, there's other eyes. Uh, because uh, in Carolyn's situation and so many other people's situations, when we only trust in our limited perception of things, we're probably going to miss something. We're going to miss a number of things, actually. Uh, so it's just good, it's good to have other eyes, other thoughts, other perspectives on life uh, to get us through various things. So anyway, surround yourself with good people and listen to them. Be humble. I think Carolyn is getting to that. We've got to be humble, humble, humble. So everybody, stay with us. We're going to take a break. We'll come back and start our second hour of Real Presence Live. This is Father Craig Vosick. Be right back. <laughs> 